1: I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Missy Day, founder, organizer, and speaker at What's Your Story, and Michelle Hausbeck, partner, organizer, and speaker. The 12th annual What's Your Story live event is coming up next weekend, with speakers sharing their personal stories of adversity and triumph. A portion of event proceeds will benefit the nonprofit organization, Hope for Prisoners. Missy and Michelle, thank you both so much for being here today.
2: Thank you for having
1: us. I appreciate it, Heather.
3: Thank you. We're excited to be here.
1: So what exactly is the What's Your Story event and how did it start? Well,
2: the event started, I was asked in 2015 to share my story. And at the time, you know, like so many, you think my story isn't significant. Why would I want to you know, share my story? And on the other hand, it's like, why would I want to share my story when I'm not anything like I was? You know, before. And so I did. And just the feeling of sharing it for me and the feedback that I got from the women at the luncheon is when I thought there needs to be a platform for people to be able to share their story in a safe, non-judgmental environment and feel what I feel when I shared my story. And that's how it all started was just from a luncheon. And then I threw together an event just because I thought it just needs to happen. And so here we are, you know, getting ready to do our 12th event and people respond
1: to it. And what was that story, Missy, that you shared when you didn't want to?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, my childhood was such that it was very chaotic and I had, I didn't have a childhood. I didn't get to be a kid because I turned into a caregiver for my alcoholic grandmother And several things, you know, uh, a lot of abandonment issues in my life of people coming and going. And then turning to alcohol at the age of 14, just as a coping mechanism to get through life. And so from 14 to 18, I drank a lot just to like self-soothe and to get through things that were happening, you know, with my family.
1: So stories like that, I mean, we go through adversity, we get through it, hopefully, and we end up stronger, hopefully, and with something to teach other people also, hopefully. But in the corporate world, sometimes stories like that aren't really accepted. It's like, well, I want to know, you know, what's the year over year growth, for example, or, you know, whatever it happens to be. So where do stories fit into the business world? Oh, I would say in the business world
2: now, corporations are gravitating more towards stories than they are, you know, hard data and facts and figures, because that doesn't speak to people anymore. They're not motivated by those things. You know, would I go in and and be really specific and down and dirty about some of the things that happened in my life in corporate, probably not. (laughs) But I think the overall theme of when you're sharing a story in corporate like mine is the piece where look, you can do anything you want, you can be anybody you want, because I went through these things. That doesn't mean that defines me now, as a person in corporate. And I think those things are motivating now where, you know, they were frowned upon before. And I'm glad to see that that turn is coming around where they're inviting people to show up authentically into the workplace, and to be themselves and not some character that the corporate, you know, people want them to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: I think all people identify with the story, with the power of story, whether it's on a personal level, well, always on a personal level. And even in corporate, you know, there's people behind the brands and behind the C level. And, you know, a lot of them can identify with the personal stories that are shared. And I think they appreciate the authenticity and the, you know, the ability to overcome.
1: Yeah. Michelle, what prompted you to get involved in the what's your story event?
3: <laughs> I think it was about five years ago. Missy put out a call for speakers for what's your story. And for me, it was just one quick movement. And I it's God prompted it. I went and recorded what I thought was going to be one story uh, in my life, and more came out in this five minute chunk. And I sent it off to her and she said, Oh my gosh, come tell your story. So I told one big piece of my story and I was hooked ever since. What really got me was similar to what Missy said was people coming up after and just saying thank you. So thank you for sharing your story because I've been through something similar or man, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was crazy for feeling the way I was. It really opened my eyes to the power of story and how you can you can help others on a larger scale simply by sharing what you've been through and what you've learned.
1: What was it that you went through and learned that has helped other people?
3: So one of the stories, the first story that I shared, uh, I had a significant other in 2014 and he drowned at Lake Mead. Wow. So that obviously was a huge shift. <laughs> mm in my life and i've told different facets of that story before but the i'm still learning by sharing my story even um, preparing for this year that's a piece of what i'm talking about but i learned that i and everybody have the power of choice you know i was in a situation where i didn't cause it to happen i wasn't even there that day that he drowned but I was left in a situation that I didn't cause and I was very angry and blaming people and kind of stuck in the the grief pit. But I realized one day I call it day four that I didn't get out of bed, that I needed to change my choices because I did not want to live like this anymore. So I've learned a lot about the power of choice, no matter what your situation is.
1: Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Now, we've kind of established what makes storytelling so powerful, but Missy, what are the key elements of a great story that can not only move other people, but help other people?
2: I think, you know, for storytelling, there's, you know, the beginning where you want to make that immediate connection with your audience by either stating a fact or asking a question and then moving into the middle but then having the strong ending of of the hope and resilience and the encouraging part, you know, I think a lot of times people spend too much time and get way in the weeds of, you know, details of their story. And you kind of like lose people at that point, you know, you want to make sure that they understand that, yeah, I came through a lot of hellish things. However, I got through it. And let's, let's talk about now, you know, what's happening now. And I think that's the best part of, you know, the story is, yeah, it was ugly for a lot of years. And then this is what I did to work through it, because it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, years of whatever it is, therapy, or, you know, personal growth, counseling, and then success. And so that people who are in the audience, and are either living in it now, or have lived it and haven't addressed it, have a way out now that they can identify with somebody that if you could do that and become a successful businesswoman, I can too. And that's really the message that we want to deliver at What Your Stories is, we're the people standing there telling stories for the people who can't or are not ready to.
1: And that's a powerful thing when you
2: really think about it.
1: So what can people expect from this 12th time that you're doing the major live event? What's your story? Well, it's bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're doing a
2: Friday night. We're starting the event on a Friday night and having a lineup of speakers on Friday night and then a full day Saturday. And this year has been cool because last year we had um, two amazing speakers that came in, flew in from out of town to speak and they asked to come back. And I think that says a lot about what your story, you know, that they, I mean, these are professional speakers that, you know, get paid a lot of money to speak. And we're not at a place where we can do that yet. And so for them to want to come back and waive fees, I think says a lot about what your story. And, you know, people just kind of like fell in our lap this year, even, you know, bigger speakers. So that means a lot to me that we're at a place where we don't have to go out searching for speakers anymore. You know, they come to us and want to be a part and want to be involved in the family.
1: Yeah, that's great. So besides the two of you, who are some of the other speakers at this year's event?
3: I was just working on the program. Oh, <laughs> well, we Perfect. have Sam Schmidt. He's actually, he's local. Well, he was an indie car racer. He kind of is now. He tells the story about a crash that he was in and rendered him a paraplegic, but he can still drive a car. Wow. He's done a lot for the community. Um, he's got foundations. He sits on boards. He, he's been interviewed on the Today Show. His story has been shared before, but we are very excited to have him. He is just a great man. Uh, we also have Dean Smith. He is a returning keynote speaker. He spoke last year. Uh, He shares about the murder of his mother and how he worked to end up forgiving the man that did that. Mm -hmm. We have Connor Fields. He is actually a local Las Vegas too. He won gold for BMX in the Olympics. And his story is really fascinating because we get a a behind the scenes peek of what it is to be an Olympic athlete. And he shares some accidents and just some stories of how he had to overcome some pretty horrific things to even be able to compete and then to win gold. Um, And then we have Gary Miracle, who is one of our favorites. He is returning as well. He shares the story of he went into the hospital thinking he had the flu and came out about 107 days later uh, without his arms and his legs. Wow. Yeah. And how just now he's living his best life. So those are our four main keynotes.
1: Yeah, that sounds like some great speakers. So do we have to go through something so traumatic in order to have a story to share? No.
2: no. In fact, people ask us that all the time. You know, do, do I have a story if I still have all my limbs? You know, do I have a story if I still, you know, can walk and, you know, get around? And and my kind of thought behind that is our keynotes are super powerful with powerful stories but no, not all stories are like that. We have actually, we have a 19 year old guy that wants to speak this year. He's like, I'm 19. I have something to say and I want to say it. And I think that's the coolest thing to be at 19 and want to be on a stage and share with an audience who you are and how you're getting to where you want to embrace more of life. Other people, it's just getting through alcoholism or You know, having self doubt about yourself, things like that, low self esteem, uh, scarcity mindsets, things like that. So, we cover a lot of topics. It's just that our keynotes, you know, have gone through a lot of stuff. And, but no, there's no requirements on tragedy.
3: (laughs) One of our speakers, uh, Stacey Mulligan, you know, she talks about the power of connecting versus communicating and, you know, her first marriage and just if she would have had the tools to communicate and connect differently uh, what that looks like and when she shares her story I think anybody who's been in a relationship of any kind is like oh yep yep you know totally identifies with it
1: okay why did you choose hope for prisoners to donate a portion of the event proceeds to
2: John Ponder, who's the CEO and founder, has
1: been a friend of mine for a while.
2: And when I had a networking group, he was kind enough to come and um, speak and share his story several times. And I love what he's doing for formerly incarcerated people and getting them to a place where they can reenter society and, you know, start over with their lives. And he, on just a personal level, is probably the most kind man that I have ever met and truly has a heart for people. And so this year, we had Hoving Home for a couple of years as our nonprofit partner. And then this year, we went with Hope for Prisoners, basically a lot because of John, but a lot because of what he does for the community. And we want to support that.
1: Okay. And what does the organization do? So Hope for Prisoners uh,
2: is an in-prison program. They start with prisoners when they're um, incarcerated. And then we come out, they go through another program, and then they have to go through certain steps in order to graduate. And then when they graduate, then they partner with different businesses in town to get them jobs. They also help them get into housing, get them established with whatever needs they might need, you know, and reconnection with family is big for them. They have a big event every December called 100 Christmases, where they take 100 prisoners, and they all go to the Ahern Hotel and they are reunited with their spouse and children with a tree and a couch and presents because they it's important for them to feel like they're still connected with their families, even though they're incarcerated.
1: Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so we know that the What's Your Story event is happening next weekend, Friday, October 13th, Saturday, October 14th. But give us the details of the when and the where.
3: Well, it is, it's at Ahern Hotel here in Las Vegas. And like you said, it's Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th. For more information, you can go to Vegas. You can buy tickets. There's tables available, sponsorships. If anyone would love to be part of a very inspirational event, connect with like-minded people and other businesses.
1: So it's on the Friday evening and then Saturday all day?
3: Yeah,
2: it starts Friday at five. And we're going to have like pizza appetizers, non alcoholic beverages for anybody that attends Friday night, and then we'll have seven speakers. And then it ends around eight. And then we start again at 10am on Saturday. And then um, breakfast is provided, then we have lunch provided. And so it's a full day of speakers, but it's, It's nice because when we sit down to do the program, we make sure that it's not like, oh, heavy, 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 you know, uplifting, heavy, we kind of make it so it's kind of like up and down. So Mm -hmm. it's like, here's a heavy story. Here's a funny story. Here's an interview kind of, you know, thing that's going to happen. So it's not just because I know people will say, wow, that's a really long time to sit and listen to people. But it goes by fast. But this year, I think we've done a really good job of breaking it up and adding new things. So it's not just sitting,
3: you know, and listening. And it's interesting feedback that we've heard from people after pretty much every event is, man, that went fast. (laughs) (laughs) Because you really are engaged the entire time.
1: That's awesome. Now, if listeners are interested in the power of story, but they're not able to attend the live event, tell us about the What's Your Story podcast.
2: So it was like, you know, this thing
1: where we thought, man, you know, this story thing has legs. And
2: so what are more parts that we can add? So it's just not the event. And so we started the podcast. So we're on YouTube under What's Your Story, along with a lot of other What's Your Stories. (laughs) But if you put in our names, that gets you to the right podcast. But the podcasts have been fun because it's a mini, mini, mini what's Your Story event because Michelle and I will have a storyteller on and they're um, able to share their story. We ask questions and we do two, usually two storytellers are with us. And so it's a nice opportunity for them. We've had professionals on, we've had brand new storytellers on, and all of them have such a good time because Michelle and I are very like loosey goosey on the podcast. And we just want people to be comfortable, be themselves, and have a good time.
3: Yeah. We're pretty organic.
1: <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us again what the website is where people can go if they want to get more information or tickets to the live event next weekend.
3: So if you go to what's your story. That's where you can find all the information. So you can find our speaker lineup. You can find a couple videos uh, from the speakers that are speaking this year. There's a video on there from a what's your story a couple years back just to kind of get a little taste of what it's about. Our podcasts are on there as well uh, to either listen or view on YouTube. Um, If anyone's coming from out of town, we have a special discount code where you can book your rooms at Ahern. So that's the hub of all the information.
1: Nice. Okay. So whatsyourstory.vegas is the website to go to. Whatsyourstory.vegas. You can find out more about the live event, which is happening next Friday, October 13th from 5 to 8 p.m. And then Saturday, October 14th, starting at 10 a.m. and going all day. It's all happening at Ahern Hotel on West Sahara. So, what'syourstory.vegas, and if you're not able to make the event, check out the podcast on YouTube, and all of that is also on the website. What'syourstory.vegas. And Missy and Michelle, I want to thank you both so much for being here and letting us know about this amazing event that you've been doing for so long. And it sounds like an amazing event. It sounds like a lot of people really love it. And I'm a personal fan of the power of stories, so I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you, Heather, so much. We appreciate it. Thank
3: you,
0: Heather. The Richard Harris Law Firm is a proud partner of the Nevada Wheelchair Foundation and will host another distribution event to provide free chairs to everyone who requires a permanent wheelchair but cannot afford one. Come on by Friday, October thirteenth at eight thirty, South Fourth Street in downtown Las Vegas. The wheelchair distribution begins at ten a.m., and lunch will be available from the biannual Law and Order Special Food Truck Unit. For more information on qualifying and reserving your chair, please visit NevadaWheelchairFoundation.org.
1: I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Shannon McEwen, Volunteer Task Force Leader for the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. The foundation fights to eradicate brain tumors, the deadliest childhood cancer. Their Ride for Kids events are the longest-running motorcycle charity event in the nation, and we've got another one coming up next weekend. Shannon, thank you so much for being here today.
4: Thank you so much for having
1: me. So when was the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation started?
4: It was started in 1991, but it actually kind of unofficially began in 1984 when the founders of the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation organized a motorcycle ride to help one of their co-workers' children.
1: Okay, and why did they choose to have a motorcycle ride?
4: Well, they were motorcycle riders and they just that was the first thing they thought of to be able to raise money people like to ride motorcycles. It's something they enjoy and why not do something good while doing it? And as I have gotten to know a bunch of motorcycle riders throughout the years, I have found that they are some of the most giving, big hearted people that will come together and do anything for kids in the community to help. And they have fun while doing it because they're doing what they love, riding motorcycles.
1: That's awesome. And it totally goes against the preconceived notion that a lot of people have about, quote unquote, bikers. So I think, I think that makes it even better.
4: <laughs> it totally does. I, I mean, if you come to one of our events, you'll see these big burly guys, tattoos, leather, and they're the first ones to jump in and want to get pictures with our characters and therapy dogs <laughs> and their big kids themselves. So besides
1: the Ride for Kids events, the motorcycle fundraisers, what does the organization, the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, do on a day-to-day basis?
4: Well, the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation is actually the leading nonprofit funder of pediatric brain tumor research, and they partner with leading medical institutions directly transforming the treatment landscape for kids. So they're not only funding research to find cures, but also for better treatment so that our kids can, we can care for them, we can cure them, we can help them thrive. They also have other family support options out there where they directly help the families themselves. But the primary mission really is to fund that research for better treatments and a cure because childhood brain tumor research is very underfunded and it's not the same as adult. What makes a difference? Well, childhood brains are still developing. They're not like a, an adult brain. You can't use the same medicines and, and forms of treatments that you would on an adult brain. You have to think about that their brains are still forming. They're still growing. They're still developing a lot of motor functions in some cases. And when you end up with a brain tumor in your brain that controls your vision and your balance, your hearing, your sight all of those things, it it gets very complicated, especially in developing brain.
1: Wow. Okay. So the Ride for Kids event raises funds to help with this research that you're talking about?
4: Yep, it sure does. And not only that, but it also brings all of the kids from the different local communities that we hold Ride for Kids in together with other families so they can have a day where they get a break from reality. We put some smiles on their faces. They get to hang out with these really cool big motorcycle guys. Not all of them are big motorcycle guys. I have a lot of women <laughs> out there too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lots of women riders as well. But, you know, they get to enjoy it and have fun. We put them at the front of the ride. They can ride in the back with fire truck. They just have a blast. So it's it's also just connecting with them and connecting them with other families and, and we don't do that, not just at the ride, but throughout the year, we we form good bonds with our families, our local families, and we we help them in other ways.
1: So for people who have never experienced a Ride for Kids event, what does it look like? Is it like hundreds of motorcycles driving down the street with kids?
4: Yep, it does. <laughs> it, it really does. It's hundreds of motorcycles. Last year, we had over 200. I can't remember the exact number with just under 300 participants. And Nevada Highway Patrol will escort the ride. And we put the kids up at the front with escorts. Some of the kids are able to ride in a slingshot and their parent gets to drive it because the Slingshots of Las Vegas group get some slingshot rentals donated for the ride. So the parents get to have some fun in there too. But all of these motorcycles will gather at the Silverton at 8 a.m., they will get their T-shirts, look at their coffee, donuts, whatever. We have some, light breakfast stuff for them. They'll wander around, check each other's bikes out, hear a little bit of information from us, have a safety meeting, hop on their bikes, rev their engines. Everybody gets really excited. It's pretty cool to see that many motorcycles in one location. And they set off on a ride from the Silver Tenant. It, it ends up going up by Blue Diamond Village and around you know, in front of Red Rock and then back down through to the Silverton. And then when they come in and park, we cheer them all on and they come into a live band and the Silverton will be grilling up some hamburgers and hot dogs for them. Wow, that
1: sounds awesome. Yeah. So if someone has their own motorcycle, can they take part in the ride and raise funds as well? Oh, yes,
4: definitely. That's what mostly everybody is doing. They just can register online before the event. So they get a lot of the paperwork out of the way. Not that it's a lot of paperwork, but just some basic information out of the way. $40 minimum donation gets entry into the ride and the escorted ride. It also gets some breakfast, coffee, the entertainment, lunch, and all that fun that goes along with it. So we welcome all riders, riders of motorcycles, slingshots, three wheels, like trikes, spiders, and non-riders, we have a lot of non-riders that come out just because they want to check out all the bikes and participate in the fun. You do not have to be a motorcycle rider to come.
1: Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so it's happening next Sunday, October 15th. You said it starts at 8 a.m. at Silverton Hotel and Casino. And then basically they're doing the loop and they'll be back sometime around lunch or?
4: Yeah, they'll be back sometime between 11, 11.30. And that's when we'll have we'll have the band kicking up a little bit before they return. We'll cheer them on as they come back for doing the wonderful thing that they've done for the kids and bringing everybody together for the kids. And then we'll start feeding them some lunch and just hanging out and having a little celebration of life with the kids Hear from some of the kids um, in between breaks of the music playing and just enjoy ourselves.
1: So some of the kids that have gone through the program that have overcome their brain cancer will be sharing their stories? Yep. That's nice. They'll
4: get up and some of them like to share their stories, whatever they feel comfortable with. And they can also share a little bit of their experience being on the ride. So a lot of them like to talk about what they just experienced on that ride. So they're going through
1: Red Rock. Do they see burrows and tortoises and stuff along the way sometimes?
4: Yeah, sometimes we've definitely run, you know, into a little group of donkeys here and there. <laughs> so that's always quite fun. Not always, but sometimes it happens.
1: So if someone wants to help out the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, but they're not able to make the ride day on Sunday, October fifteenth, what other ways are there to help out?
4: Well, locally here, we're always looking for volunteers on our task force. Um, it's quite the event to put together. And so you need any volunteers we could definitely use, not just on event day, but throughout the year planning the event or just helping with our local kids, you know, getting them something fun for their birthday. Or we send them to Raider Games with our partner, Raider Dad. Sometimes we're able to send them to a concert or something you know, else fun that's going on with some of our sponsors and partners that we have. So we could definitely use some volunteers you could, we're also always looking for donations to help these kiddos with the, with the research through the foundation or even when the foundation gives them gas cards to help them get to their treatments. It's quite a financial burden for parents to have to take their kid to chemo and radiation or even out of state to get some of the treatment that they need.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine Okay, so where can people go if they want to find out more information about the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, if they want to find out more about Ride for Kids, if they want to sign up to take part in the ride next Sunday, or if they want to become a volunteer or make a donation?
4: Sure. Well, the first page they could go to is rideforkids.org slash LasVegas. And that is going to be our home landing page for the ride on October 15th. And it gives a little bit of information about the mission, the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. You can donate there. You can, you know, donate to a, a current rider if you're not able to attend or just donate on your own in memory of someone or, or, or just to help out the good cause. You can also visit curethekids.org, which is the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation's website. And I believe that's on the Ride for Kids slash Las Vegas website as well, you know, to be able to click on that link. And if somebody would like to volunteer for the Las Vegas Ride for Kids Task Force or an, a day of event volunteer, we can be emailed at lvrideforkids at gmail.com. Okay,
1: Awesome. So once again, the website for the Ride for Kids event next weekend is rideforkids.org slash Las Vegas, rideforkids.org slash Las Vegas. There's a $40 minimum donation to take part in the ride, and it's all happening Sunday, October 15th, starting at 8 a.m. at the Silverton Hotel and Casino. The ride goes out from there and comes back to the Silverton. So rideforkids.org slash Las Vegas. If you want to help out with volunteering for that event, you can email lvrideforkids at gmail.com, lvrideforkids at gmail.com. And if you want to find out more about the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation in general, curethekids.org is the website for that, curethekids.org. But once again, for the Ride for Kids, which is happening next weekend, rideforkids.org slash Las Vegas. And Shannon, I wanna thank you so much for being here and sharing with us the amazing things that the organization is doing and this really fun sounding event that you've got happening once again, Ride for Kids. So I really appreciate you being here. Thanks, Shannon.
4: Thank you, Heather. And thanks, Odyssey, for all your sponsorship and support.
1: Learning your child has cancer causes an emotional and financial crisis. Often the best place for
0: treatment is far from home. But with the help of the National Children's Cancer Society, Children battling cancer can get to life-saving treatment, whether it's across town or across the country. To learn how we give families hope and give their children the best shot at survival, visit thenccs.org. That's dot org. Because no family should go through childhood cancer alone.
1: I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Debbie Isaacs, founder of the nonprofit Unshakable. Unshakable's upcoming fundraiser is the seventh annual screening of what they call the most horrible horror movie ever, the campy film Ghosts of Goldfield, which Debbie herself produced. And the screening's being held at the new local art film house, the Beverly Theater. Debbie, thank you so much for being here today.
5: Oh, thanks for having us.
1: So, what exactly is Unshakable?
5: We are a local nonprofit that helps women recovering from trauma, return to the workforce to achieve financial independence, not just a job, but very career focused. And our program walks alongside the women for up to two years.
1: Wow. Okay. What prompted you to start the organization?
5: Well, the um, medium version of the story is I was working as a local producer here and had heard of a specialty program for the city of Las Vegas that was helping women in trauma, you know, just recover. And I thought I would make a documentary about it or a reality show about it at the time. And when I went to the court and started listening to the women tell their stories, I realized the things the women were going through on the recovery side was very similar, and I felt I wasn't here to tell their story. I was put there to change it. And from that day forward, I set out to do just that, change the lives of the women we touch.
1: What kind of trauma have these women gone through?
5: So we serve women that are recovering from homelessness, substance use disorder, trafficking, sexual and domestic violence. Okay. Okay.
1: What made you decide to produce the movie Ghosts of Goldfield?
5: Uh, that was just a, a knucklehead idea. I, I had always <laughs> been fascinated by movies and TV. And I had a friend that was like, I think I can write the script. And we had taken a two day film school, Dove Simmons, a very famous two day film school. And we thought we could do it. And, you know, like at the end of the day, it was a lesson in we you need a very good script. But thankfully, we had really great talent. The script, not so much. So we just have a good time with the film. Uh, I know everybody on the film at the time had worked really hard, but it, you know, it just wasn't there. So we just have uh, the mission of Unshakable is to constantly remind our clients that their past doesn't define them. So I feel the same is true for me with this movie. Wow,
1: that's a great outlook. So where was this film shot?
5: We were the first production to actually shoot in the uh, original Goldfield Hotel. So we shot on location in Goldfield and Tonopah.
1: Nice. Okay. Now, you know, there's a lot of bad horror movies, and this one doesn't sound like the most horrible. Why are you calling your movie the most horrible horror movie ever?
5: (laughs) You know, I think we just wanted to have fun and really, again, to drive the point home that the same with our program. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've done it. And uh, we're going to change your future. And so the same is true with this event. We use this movie to just have a good time, poke a little fun at myself and uh, raise some money for the nonprofit.
1: Yeah, it's a perfect metaphor. I love it. So when and where is the screening happening?
5: Uh, You know, we're really fortunate this year. We're partnering with the amazing Beverly Theater, just an excellent partner Great addition to the city of Las Vegas with all they're doing as an art house. So October nineteenth at the Beverly Theater.
1: Okay, and what time?
5: The event is from six to nine.
1: Okay, and you said it's amazing, but why did you choose the Beverly Theater?
5: Well, for two reasons. We Kip and I have worked together in the past, and the theater itself, state of the art. It's downtown, another nonprofit. I'm all about nonprofit work shouldn't be competitive. It should be collaborative. Mm -hmm. So two nonprofits coming together for the community to do good is a great way to start off the Halloween season with a really bad horror movie.
1: All right. So, what can people expect if they go to the fundraiser? Obviously, they're going to see the most horrible horror movie ever, (laughs) which is (laughs) the Ghosts of Goldfield. But what else happens at the event?
5: You know, we like to make it just an evening of fun. So, costumes are welcome and encouraged. It's a hosted bar, uh, light appetizers, typical movie theater candy and popcorn, silent auction, and then we'll run the movie. And that's it. It's just a fun night for people to mix and mingle and then sit back and watch the movie in literally the state of the art theater.
1: It almost sounds like it could turn into a Rocky Horror Picture Show type of event where, you know, people are dressing up like the characters and getting up there on stage and partaking.
5: (laughs) Well, hopefully, I mean, this will be our seventh year and we do have a little bit of a following. But hopefully, you know, this is the year that it busts out. We can make it bigger and better every year.
1: Okay. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of horror films because they're extremely scary. And it's not watching it that scares me, but it's, you know, afterwards when you wake up in the middle of the night and and everything frightens you. So is the most horrible horror movie scary or is it just cheesy and campy?
5: It's more campy, not scary. I think that was clearly the problem with the script, maybe. Not scary enough.
1: Okay, so that's why it's the most horrible, because it's just fun and not scary.
5: Fun and not very scary.
1: Okay, now you mentioned that you had really good talent in the movie. Who were some of the stars?
5: You know, we are proud to say we gave Kellen Lutz of Twilight fame and Expendables and all those movies his first movie. Marnette Patterson, who at the time was uncharmed. Of course, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Scott White at the time, who had been in a lot of Disney films. So our cast was quite well casted.
1: Yeah, nice. Okay. So where can people find out more information about Unshakable, the organization, or get tickets to the screening fundraiser, which is happening Thursday, October 19th at the Beverly?
5: Sure. Our website, unshakable.org, is the best place to get all the information under events. And you can sign up, register, all those good things.
1: Okay, nice. So unshakable.org is the website to go to unshakable.org. And if you look under events, you can find the screening, the most horrible horror movie ever, The Ghosts of Goldfield, which is screening as the seventh annual fundraiser for Unshakable, the organization. It's all happening at the Beverly Theater, which is on 6th Street downtown. And that's on Thursday, October 19th from 6 to 9 p.m., And again, the website, unshakable.org. And Debbie, I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing this with us. You know, when I first heard about you screening the most horrible horror movie ever, I'm like, what? What? Okay, I have to find out more about this story. And then the more you've revealed about, first of all, the fact that you're laughing at the movie that you produced, but also that you're using it as this metaphor that our past doesn't define our future. I think it's absolutely amazing what you're doing. So... I thank you so much for being here sharing with us.
5: Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at the event. All right,
1: awesome. And once again, unshakable.org is the website. Thanks, Debbie.
5: Thank
3: you. What scary how about not participating in Trick or Treat for UNICEF, which lets everyone do some good for children worldwide while celebrating the spooky stuff? Visit trick or treat for UNICEF.org to make a quick donation or to spread the word that it's time to add some meaning to your Halloweening. That's trick or treat for <laughs>
1: This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vail, and I'm speaking with Tom Camber, Executive Director of Older Adults Technology Services for AARP. Tom is regularly featured in national media as a leading expert on aging and technology. A new AARP survey found that most older adults are not set up to receive information during a disaster and are likely to be unprepared if a disaster strikes. Tom, thank you so much for being here today.
6: Thank you for having me.
1: So why are so many older adults unprepared for a disaster?
6: Well, we've got a couple of things happening that are really causing this problem. First of all, a lot of older adults themselves have not adopted all the technology tools that are available to help them uh, stay independent. So we're finding that sometimes there's a spillover when it comes to preparing for disasters because a lot of those tools are technology-based. You know, we've got the apps from the FEMA and the Red Cross, notification tools that people use. And so for people that are struggling a little bit with the technology, they may not have adopted these programs yet. And then frankly, there's just the standard problem that we all have, where we tend not to prepare for crises because we think, well, you know, that's something we can do tomorrow. We'll just put it off for a little while. And of course, that doesn't work because the disasters can't be predicted.
1: Yeah, exactly. So when should older adults start to prepare for disasters? And why is that so important that they start soon?
6: Well, I would recommend if you're listening to this show today, that's really the time you should start preparing for disaster. A lot of folks think that it's a little overwhelming. You know, where do we start and, you know, how much money is it going to cost and and how do you make these decisions? And so what we find is that only one out of three older folks have even made a plan. And the simplest plan can, you know, you can get a piece of paper and, and get started with it. We've set up a website with a quiz to help people make the first steps in those plans. And I took the quiz this morning and it only took me a few minutes to, to start looking at what I needed to get ready for my home. So we've set up a website. The address is aarp.org slash disaster prep. People can go right on there today. And over a cup of coffee, you can get started and you'll already be making more progress in an hour than you, uh, than you might have even imagined. So uh, that's the first step. And uh, there's some specific recommendations I can offer as well.
1: Yeah, sure. What are those recommendations?
6: Well, the first thing to do is to get set up with the apps. So FEMA and the Red Cross have probably the most useful national resources for people. You can set yourself up for the alerts and for customization so that you get the information that you want the way you want it. And then the other things to consider are get those documents that you may have at home backed up digitally. Uh, You can take photographs of them and put them up in the cloud on your smartphone. Make sure you have extra prescription medications on hand. Make sure that you've got GPS if you have a pet at home so you can track your pet. And then finally, think about what's going to happen if the power goes out. So uh, you might need a backup portable charger for your phone. In fact, kind of everybody needs one of those. And uh, you also going to want a backup generator for your home if you're reliant on electrical power for for critical needs.
1: Okay. Now, when we're talking about disasters and we're talking about organizations like FEMA and Red Cross, what kind of disasters are we talking about that we should be prepared for?
6: Well, the FEMA and the Red Cross are set up to cover kind of almost any of the natural disasters you can see. So you're going to see your floods, your hurricanes, your tornadoes, your earthquakes, your wildfires, anything that could affect more than one household and, and, and have a community-wide impact on you uh, is going to be covered by those potential alerts and recovery mechanisms.
1: Okay. Now, a lot of us just get these alerts on our phones automatically. I never installed an app specifically for that, but I will get like, you know, extreme weather alerts that just kind of pop up and stuff like that. Where are those alerts coming from?
6: Well, it depends. If you're, it depends on which technology you're using and who your provider is for your smartphone or mobile services. Typically, those are going to come through your providers, but also uh, many of the local emergency management agencies are going to push those to your phones. But those are pretty generic, and so, for example, uh, if you're looking at, at extreme heat waves as one of your high stress points in, in the Las Vegas area, you're going to want to make sure that you've got apps that are alerting you to that as well. And you may have custom needs where, as older people, for example, they may be vulnerable at earlier stages of a crisis. So, you know, at certain extreme heat events, they may want to have an earlier alert set up and that can be done through the customized apps.
1: Okay. Now, how long does it take to install and set up an app like the ones from FEMA or the Red Cross?
6: It's gonna depend a little bit on which app and how comfortable people are with the technology. It can be as simple as about 15 minutes for some of the apps and for people that are not as comfortable with the tech and haven't used it before they can go to a local library or senior center and have a volunteer help them set up an app and it depends on how many tools you want to take advantage of. For some people, they get into this stuff and they think, wow, I want to to really get set up. And also you want to be a resource for your neighbors in your community. So you may sign up for two or three different resources, spend an hour or two at it. And then when something happens, maybe you'll be able to help your neighbors as well.
1: Yeah. And speaking of that, if someone's listening who has a family member or they might be a caregiver for an older adult, how should they make sure that that person is prepared for the disaster?
6: Well, the best way to do it is really to to go to—I would start with the ARP site that we've set up, aarp.org slash disasterprep, where we've pulled together all of these resources. So we've done all of the footwork, at least to get people started, and find reliable and trustworthy programs and apps and resources for people. I would sit down with my mom or dad or, or, or older adult that I'm helping out and just go through those tools with somebody and help them with the quiz and then help them set up those resources and even make sure that I'm in their phone as an emergency contact so that if something does go wrong, it's easy for them to notify me and I can get right on there and help them. In many cases, for example, after disaster, the phone service may go down, but the texting is still working so people can send an emergency text and you want to make sure that those capabilities are set up on their phones.
1: Okay, nice. So aarp.org slash disaster prep is the website to go to that has all of the resources that Tom's been talking about. Aarp.org slash disaster prep. You can take the quiz. You can find the apps for FEMA and Red Cross, get your phone set up, get yourself set up or get a loved one set up. Once again, aarp.org slash disaster prep. And Tom, I want to thank you so much for being here today and letting us know these great tips. They sound easy, simple, and so important. So like Tom said, if you're listening right now, now's the time to get started. Thanks, Tom.
6: Thank you for having me today.
0: To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork.
1: Yeah, I can do this.
0: You go, Karen. By simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now, she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council.
1: I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising $10,000 for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include this Monday, October 9th at 8 p.m., benefiting Las Vegas breast cancer warriors, and Monday, October 23rd at 8 p.m., benefiting kids uplifting kids. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. That's mondaysdark.com. The Shriners Children's Open PGA Tour Golf Tournament to support Shriners International is happening October 9th to October 15th at TPC Summerlin. Get your tickets or find out more at ShrinersChildrensOpen.com. That's ShrinersChildrensOpen.com. The Shade Tree's Once Upon a Gala fundraising event is happening next Thursday, October 12th at 7 p.m. with the VIP Secret Garden Soiree starting at 5.30 in the Zook Nightclub at Resorts World Las Vegas. This fairy tale-inspired event includes a live and silent auction benefiting the Shade Tree's mission to provide safe shelter to domestic violence and human trafficking survivors and their children. Get your gala tickets or find out more at theshadetree.org. That's the Richard Harris Law Firm's Law & Order Special Food Truck Unit is back, offering free food and legal advice next Friday, October 13th from noon to 2 p.m. in the Richard Harris Law Firm parking lot at 801 South 4th Street. They'll also be hosting a wheelchair distribution event with the Nevada Wheelchair Foundation from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Find more information about the firm at richardharrislaw.com. That's richardharrislaw.com. The What's Your Story live event where speakers share their moving and inspirational stories is happening next Friday, October 13th from 5 to 8 p.m. and Saturday, October 14th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Ahern Hotel, Sahara West of the Strip. Find out more information or get your tickets at whatsyourstory.vegas. That's whatsyourstory.vegas. Ride for Kids, the longest-running motorcycle charity event in the nation, in support of the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, is happening Sunday, October 15th, with registration at 8 a.m. and Ride at 10 a.m. at Silverton Hotel and Casino. The Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation fights to eradicate brain tumors, the deadliest childhood cancer. Find out more about the event or sign up to ride at rideforkids.org slash lasvegas. That's rideforkids.org slash las vegas. The seventh annual screening of Ghosts of Goldfield, a campy film known as the most horrible horror film ever, is being held on Thursday, October 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Beverly Theater on 6th Street in downtown Las Vegas. The event sponsors the nonprofit Unshakable, which helps survivors of domestic violence, human trafficking, addiction, and homelessness return to the workforce and achieve financial independence. Unshakeable was founded by Debbie Isaacs, who also produced the Ghosts of Goldfield movie, which she shows each year to emphasize that your past doesn't define your future. Get your tickets to the screening party at unshakable.org. That's unshakable.org. The 10th Annual Safe Neighborhood Youth 3-on-3 Basketball Tournament presented by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation is taking place on Saturday, October 21st from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the UNLV Student Rec and Wellness Center. The 3-on-3 basketball tournament provides Valley children from 6 to 12 years old with an opportunity to interact with police in a fun way while developing life skills such as teamwork and sportsmanship. It's free to sign up at tinyurl.com slash lvmpd3on3. That's the number three. So tinyurl.com slash lvmpd3on3. Or find out more about the LVMPD Foundation at lvmpdfoundation.org. That's lvmpdfoundation.org. The 13th annual NF HOPE concert to support research for neurofibromatosis is happening Sunday, October 22nd at 1 p.m. at the Smith Center. This concert featuring top Las Vegas performers is produced by Jeff Lebo, formerly of the Jersey Boys, and currently with the Formers. Find out more, view the auction packages, or buy your tickets at nfhope.org. That's nfhope.org. Green Our Planet's next giant student farmer's market is happening Wednesday, October 25th from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the Clark County Government Building in downtown Las Vegas. The student-run farmer's market will feature produce grown from Clark County School District school gardens. Student farmers will be there to sell their produce and crafts to the public, with all proceeds returning to the schools to amplify and preserve the school's garden programs. Find out more at greenourplanet.org. That's greenhourplanet.org. Project 150's annual fall celebration fundraising party is happening on Thursday, October 26th from 7 to 10 p.m. at Illuminarium. This immersive 12th annual charity celebration promises to be a fun party with MC Chet Buchanan from 98.5 KLUC and live music by Zoe Bowie. Get your tickets at project150.givesmart.com. That's project150.givesmart.com. And find out more about Project 150's work with disadvantaged high school students at project150.org. That's project150.org. The putting for a cure, driving to end FSHD golf tournament, which funds progress for FSHD muscular dystrophy, takes place on Saturday, October 28th at the Wild Horse Golf Club in Henderson. Find out more about the society at FSHDsociety.org, that's FSHDsociety.org, and sign up to golf at give.FSHDsociety.org slash putting for a cure, that's F-O-R-E. So give.fshdsociety.org slash putting for a cure and Communities and Schools of Nevada's holding their annual Today for Tomorrow Gala with a Lace Up for the Future theme on Friday, November 3rd at 6pm at Chaos Nightclub in the Palms Casino Resort. This year's event honors President Nikki Fargus and the 2022 World Champion Las Vegas Aces, and the theme celebrates sneakerhead culture, so you're encouraged to incorporate sneakers into your wardrobe. Get tickets or find out more at cisnevada.org. That's CISNevada.org.
0: I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.